0: DJ PK, it is time to talk jazz basketball with the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line this morning. Sprint, (laughs) the computer sticks. All right, that's great. Sprint Special Guest Line. David Locke is here, and I'll tell you all about that in a minute. Here it is: Get an iPhone 11. On Sprint, when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease and eligible trade-in, now through December 5, visit the Sprint store nearest you. David, good morning. Good morning. I'm going to open being a little thankful. Can I do that the day after Thanksgiving? Sure.
1: Well, and nobody's awake yet unless they're, I mean, it's a black part, so really no one's going to hear me be nice to you, and so that's probably good too, right?
0: No, actually, a lot of people listening, they've been out shopping for three hours or headed home now. Oh, my gosh. Um, these people are nuts. So I was
1: boarding the uh, – going through our little security with our friend Craig Bullerjack, um yesterday, and we were talking about things, and we were just kind of laughing about uh, hog wallow days on Sunday nights after Sports Beat Sunday and you over Channel 2 and all of us. And then we both kind of paused and realized that, you know, that was – probably 25 years ago or something crazy of that nature. And just, so I am thankful for the wonderful kind of friendships of, of yourself and Craig and having people in my life, uh, in this crazy media world that we've all been together for, you know, quarter of a century and done this for a long time together. Um, you know, PK fits into this mold, though, Hogwallow. I don't think he regularly joined us um, for those, those evenings, but I just thought it was kind of a, I don't know, it was kind of Bowler and I were just talking, and all of a sudden both of us kind of looked at each other and was like, holy smokes, that's been like 25 years, and just kind of a cool thing to have that. So I thought I'd throw that out there.
0: David Locke, Radio the Voice of the Jazz here. He is in Memphis for the Grizzlies and the Jazz. Uh, the way the schedule sets up, they really need a win. Uh, You mean
1: because we're playing Toronto and Philadelphia next who have, like, lost a combined zero games at home this year? That'd be my point. I think they might have lost one. I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, no, this is – you know, I didn't realize it until I saw things come up. You know, we've actually had one or two of the harder schedules in the NBA. It's been a weird – it doesn't feel like last year where it was just like, holy smokes, but this is is a tough stretch, a team that – Hasn't really gelled yet, and playing four of the top eight defensive teams in a span of five games. So yeah, no, certainly we we need to try to go get this one. Memphis is uh, particularly early in games, played people very very well uh, they're and they're not you know they're not terrible. They've got some pretty good players. They're the fourth best offensive team in the NBA in the first quarters, the 11th best team in first quarters, and they kind of slump as the game goes on. So if you can kind of get on them early, I think you're all right.
2: As you analyze this team, what do you find? It it is it its most pressing need? Oh, well, I mean, I think
1: uh, without zeroing in on one person, which I think is a is an unhealthy way to do it. I'm going to do that. I mean, I think Mike's got to play better, right? Um, you know, he's really had two good games against the Golden State Warriors and not much else. Um, he just can take. You know, hopefully, he's all right. I mean, there's. You know, he is old, so you just get a little nervous. He's old and small, and so you get a little nervous in that regard. Um, but on the other end, I was looking at last night, um, trying to find a different way to tell his story about coming back here, and it's pretty incredible. So he and Marcus Gasol, over the last six years, ran 5,868 pick-and-rolls. Well, they've been together for 11, so they probably ran over 10,000 pick-and-rolls together. Um, they Over the last six years, they've run the second most amount of pick-and-rolls of any two players together. John Wall and Marcin Gortat were the only ones more. And then, you know, at the same time, they ran 821 handoffs where Gasol was giving the ball to Mark, uh, to Mike uh, for six seasons. So you go stretch that out probably for their 11 years, probably fair without a lot of guests – say that that was probably somewhere around 1500 so I mean these guys were close to 12,000 interplays between the two of them and obviously adjusting out of that is difficult um and there you know there are some areas that I think he where he's going to get more comfortable and get better and then there's some areas where I think maybe he is a little limited just with his size and age and so we'll have to figure out how to figure those things out so that I would say um is number one. Number two is something that I have thought was going to be a problem for this team all year long, um, is just playing hard. Um, it's not that they're not playing hard. though. I, you know, in Indiana, I think Indiana played harder and made it more difficult for them. In Indiana, I think, you know, um, Indiana's beat us by 70 points in our last three meetings. It's pretty clear that there's something going on there where they play the similar style to us and they're not phased by the way we play. But part of the essence of Quinn's system is, you know, picks and handoffs and cuts and movement. And guys have got to play that with some juice. Um, And there's a few too many guys that don't. And the reason they don't is they're good. Um, There's a funny thing in this league that it, you know, the hardest playing players, the guys who play the hardest, if they didn't play hard, they'd go home. And then the really, really talented players probably can snake by without having to play as hard. And so you got to figure out, like, what, you know, first of all, when you're building a roster, what's better to have, <clears throat> which is a weird concept that you wouldn't always want the most talented one player. Um, and then, two, you've got to just find a way either to get some of the, those guys to play harder. It's, it's, I don't know if this is the right terminology. You guys might need to help me out. I think you understand what I'm saying. But, you know, when you're wildly talented, you can actually get through games without – you know, being out of breath when you come back to the huddle. You just don't have to be like that. And there needs to be a little bit more, com- you know, being out of breath coming back to the huddle.
0: So, David, it seems like, and there was an exception in Milwaukee when the bench unit went on a run, but it seems like every time they go to the bench, they give up runs. Do you think that <clears throat> Quinn will shuffle the personnel? Do you think the front office. Uh, Dennis and Justin are looking at making moves to the trade deadline. Is it going to be like small incremental stuff to try and fix this or something bigger? Cause just, there've been a lot of runs against that bench. So this is a really, really
1: interesting, I think debate. Um, so it's like, th- there's like three pieces of this debate. So, we opened up talking about how this group's got to learn how, you know, Mike's got to get comfortable and play together more and things like that. So if you keep trying to protect the bench all the time, all you're doing is not playing your main guys together, right?
0: Yeah. There's lot of thing. Yeah.
1: Right. Like you're taking a bandaid and you're stretching it wider and wider and wider and putting it out there so that, you know, let's put Don, like right now we keep putting Donovan with Emmanuel Moody in the bench unit. Well, the Jazz offensive rating with Donovan Mitchell and Emmanuel Moody on the floor together is a 99.7. So that was your team. You'd be the worst offensive team in the NBA. Okay, so that's not working. So is that the right way to spend eight of Donovan's minutes on a night? Like Denver's doing something really interesting. Denver's just playing their starting five, like huge minutes right now. Denver's playing their starting five, I think like 30% more than anyone else in the NBA is right now together as one unit? It's interesting. Like, I don't know. If you're trying to build chemistry between our main guys, should they play together more rather than trying to protect the bench? Like, are we trying to solve a problem with the bench that it's like it's a problem, like it's clear it's a problem. We're, like, not very good in certain periods of the game. But I almost feel like, I don't know if this makes any sense, we're, like, stretching the problem out by trying to, by trying to take care of it? Um, I don't know the answer here. It's just I think a really interesting debate, particularly like when it gets to like, well, what like if our primary thing is trying to get Mike more comfortable, then is it to put Mike with a bench unit and let him go back to being Memphis Mike and letting him shoot all the time and playing with a bunch of not very good guys and he puts the ball in his hands and he can shoot his little floater and he can do all the stuff? Or is it to have Mike play more minutes with Donovan, Boyan, and Rudy because that's the lineup that's actually going to matter? I mean, I'm almost wondering, speaking of Memphis, like go back to the Hubie Brown days where Hubie Brown used to play literally two platoon units. Like, what we just decided, so Mike's playing 30 minutes a night, what not we just decided that our starting five was playing 30 minutes together a night? And maybe you're changing <coughs> Joe in here at times. And then you're playing, so Gobert and Donovan and Joe and Royce play an extra four, two per half to get them to 34 minutes because they can all kind of play 34 and they're holding Mike seems to like last five or six games. Mike's been seems to be at 30. So, okay, well now like, are we better off just, and then you just like pray for the 14 other minutes of a night. It's like really uncomfortable and probably would cause people great heartache. And, but is that better than stretching out your, your lineups and trying to figure like right now, I think we're playing the Joe and, the starters with Joe, that lineup that we all thought was going to be so good this year is playing. I think has played 11% of the available minutes they could play this year. Seems low. Like the starting lineup is playing like your starting lineup only plays 30% of your minutes. Well, like what I just proposed, you throw them out there for 32 minutes. They're now playing 67% of your minutes. I have no idea if this is right. I just think it's a really interesting debate and watching two things that, jumped out to me on this watching Denver play 48 minutes a night, you know, or for they're playing like 47% of their minutes. It's really interesting. And then just wondering how you build a team together. And then the other thing that jumped out to me on Denver, um, is Denver's been the best team in the clutch for the last few years. And they play their starters a lot. And I didn't know if that mattered. So anyway, I don't know. It's an interesting debate on, on what you do, I'm not smart enough to answer these questions. I just think it's worth, those are questions that are worth being asked.
2: Well, certainly the coaching staff and the management, they're looking at all these things, too. How long do you think they need before they have answers?
1: Great question. So, like, what's the adequate sample size? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a great question. Do you think we have adequate sample size that Emmanuel Moutier and Donovan Mitchell together as a 99.7 offensively is not worth it. Like, really? 99.7 is so bad that we could throw five guys out there and they'll get us a 99.7. I really, truly, like, I don't mean to be like, I'm not trying to be, like, I'm just trying to put it in perspective for our listener. Like, 99.7 would be the worst offensive team in the league. There's not a team in the league that's averaging under a point of possession. So, like... And actually, Donovan's play, Donovan's numbers are better when on the floor with Emmanuel Mudiay than with off the floor. So it's not like Emmanuel Mudiay is killing Donovan. It's just whatever about that group. With, you're just using Donovan's minutes there in a manner that I don't know. Well, I do know. That, yes, I think that sample size has probably gotten sufficiently high enough. I don't know the number though. I don't know, and I really don't actually know why I just said that, PK. Like. <laughs> I like to be really analytical and have a basis for everything I'm saying. I have absolutely no basis for deciding that after 16 games, I think that's enough. It just feels like it is.
0: Gut instinct. That's what he likes the best. You're going with your gut. Yeah, that's you doing, think you've that's seen doing pretty good. well for Jim Boylan right now, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so I thought at the start of the year, if the Jazz could get through these first 20 at 12 and 8... Uh, it be it could end up being a 55 win team. Quinn's teams usually play better the second half of the season, and teams are shutting it down the second half of the season. But you look around the West. I thought 55 would be a really big number in the West, and now I'm looking. At, I don't know that the West is as deep as we thought it was. The Lakers and Clippers to me, look like they could do better than 55 wins. Maybe the Rockets or Nuggets could. Do you think the top of the West is going to break away and that we're back to having two or three elite teams as opposed to the thought that maybe we had eight teams not separated by that much? So I think we have four elite teams, which not surprising me. I think the
1: Jazz are the fifth. Still, I still believe we're really good. Um, just because we lost Indiana doesn't kind of spell that for me um, since we did that twice last year by 50 points. Um, so, and then I think, I actually think Denver will be the number one seed. Um, Dallas, I'm not sure on yet. Take a look at, I mean, you could do that really, you know, 1986, dreadful maybe 96 Sports Talk Radio where you go through the schedule, but both Dallas and L.A. have Decembers to remember um, with a tremendous amount of travel as much as opponents, so both of them have a 24-day stretch, or about a 20-day stretch, where they don't play back-to-back home games, which means that every game's a road game. It's kind of what we did to start the year, if you look at our schedule. Um, our schedule's been a little bit more difficult than it looks like on paper. Um, so both Dallas and L.A. have kind of have brutal schedules coming up. So before I decide that I think the Lakers are way better than everyone else in the West, I would like to see them get through this next stretch. Um, I'd also like to see them have a little turmoil. Um, And then same thing with Dallas before I put them in the elite five, I think I would like to see them get through this next stretch. Um, I do think Denver really has done something pretty fabulous here to start. Their schedule gets easier as it goes on. I think they'll be the number one seed. Um, And then, I think that Phoenix, Minnesota, and Sacramento are battling for the eighth seed, and if I had any more confidence in how New Orleans did things and how they run their systems and if they have any defensive integrity as a team, I would put them in that group. But um, I'm really, having watched a lot of them recently, I'm just really disappointed in the way they play and how they play, so I think that will prohibit them from being able to make a run for the playoffs.
0: David Locke, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, good to talk to you, and we will talk to you again next week. PK, what's a large enough sample size?
2: I don't know, man. I'm thinking 30, 20, 25, 30 after Christmas. I mean, I think what's interesting about this,
1: just debate you really have me thinking about this, I actually think the question there's two questions to it, and so a little bit back to sorry, I know you guys probably have to go, but it kind of goes back to what D.J just asked too. There's two questions in that sample size. We're not dealing with an infinite amount of time, so it's not like we're scientists sitting in a lab and we're going to get infinite samples, and then we can decide right. at the end that' so at some point there's only eighty two games, so there's only x amount of possessions by which you're going to be able to analyze these things. The second question, though, is when are what what is the goal to be right by when right so does Quinn decide to do new things tonight and do them for two weeks to see. So then he's right by January or is he trying to be right by April or is he trying to be right by February? Is he trying to be right as soon as possible? Um, I think that's really interesting. Um, You know, you'd like to be able to go get into the way it looks. You'd like to be able to go get into the top three in the, in the West, so that you didn't have to play one of the elite five. But then, you, frankly, for us, you might play Dallas or Minnesota in the first round, and those with their stretch fives are two of the worst matchups we could possibly have in the playoffs. So, um, you know, it's interesting. It, I, I don't actually know whether where seating, how seeding is going to matter. Um, I'm not sure we can beat the Clippers in the playoffs, but I kind of feel like we might be able to get the Lakers, and I'm pretty certain we could get Houston or Denver. So maybe being five is fine, and then you're really just trying to get your team
0: ready by April. He's David Locke. He'll be thinking about all of this. We can revisit it next Friday. He'll be back with us again. Thank you, David. See ya. You threw him for a loop, PK.
2: Well, there's all legitimate uh, arguments that he makes. I mean, ultimately, you want to be at your best for the postseason, right? But when you look at the nature of the conference, you don't want to fall too far behind, and Quinn Snyder's teams do pick it up in the second half. So I'm not near anywhere to the point of being panicked by any stretch, you know, maybe a little bit nervous as I see some teams pull away. Uh, What does that mean? What does that mean relative to them? What does that mean relative to you? And... You have to allow for some type of time uh, to go through all these things, but also at some point, uh, time is up and you got to play. And so I don't think we're there yet. I still think it's in the development stages, uh, and we want more wins, of course. And that's the great thing: if you're developing and winning, well, then that's the best of both. Uh, but you know, so they lose a couple of ball games, that does not mean all of a sudden, all right, this is what it's going to be. Just like if they win a couple ball games, I don't think they're going to go win 18 of 20 either. But these types of things that these guys are researching and reviewing and just diving as deep as you possibly can, I'm sure they're doing it on a full-time basis. I have confidence that they'll be able to figure out what's best for this team. And And I'd have to say, under Quinn Snyder, the last three seasons, the good thing about it, it's a good news, bad news, the good thing is they 've pretty much reached their ceiling.
0: The bad news is the ceiling isn 't high enough right <laughs> that's yeah the,
2: both those things are true right
0: <laughs> and it's, we don't we don 't feel like wow, they really should have won that playoff series, yeah.
2: I don't feel like they under or over achieved. I feel like they achieved. Right. And so I'm confident with this staff and management, Justin and Dennis and Quinn and his guys, that whatever level the achievement is supposed to be, they'll be at that level when we get to the spring.
0: So as as we think out loud here, and I mold this over, I think the sample size is enough to uh, try some different lineup combinations. All right. I think that... And they they see they run a bunch of computer simulations. So the yeah, locks yeah, yeah. point, yeah. you know, we only have the eighty two games. They have more than that, with the computer simulations and all that. I wouldn't want to pull the trigger on a deal yet, but my gut instinct is they're gonna to need to. Now, most of the deals happen in the month leading up to the trade deadline. Yeah. They might have something come up. Earlier and have to just decide mm-hmm. uh, a year ago, the Corver trade came way early before the deadline, but at the yes. deadline, Dennis Lindsay then said, well, we made our deal. People think we weren't quite at the deadline, but the opportunity was there. We seized it early because it was there early. So they may have to decide early because not doing something is still deciding. You know, yeah, you still oh, yeah. got to make the decision. Uh, I don't think it's too early. I don't think it's too early to, to tweak rotations. If Quinn came out and started tweaking rotations because they thought they saw something, I'm like, well, if you and Alex and Johnny and the whole staff and whatever think you see something, well, then give it a shot. Because yeah. you can go back to the that's not that big a deal. Yeah, okay. In my mind. Yeah, All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are broadcasting live at Murdoch Chevrolet, 2375 South, 625 West, in Woods Cross. You can also shop online anytime at MurdochChev.com, dot com. It's November. They got their black tie sales event. Uh, they are dressed up with the best deals of the year and ready for you to take them home today. 11000 off. The 2019 Chevy Silverado, 15% off the MSRP of a 2020 Equinox LT. And you can lease a new 2019 Chevy Trax for only $199 per month. Also, the Crew Cab Colorado LT, save 15% off MSRP there, too. Murdoch Chevrolet, you are the heart of their business. And if you mention Murdoch... At the service department, you get a conventional oil change for only $19.99. Now's the time to hustle down. No waiting. $19.99. That deal only while we're on the air. They are giving lifetime oil changes with the purchase of any vehicle this weekend, new or used. Stop by. We've got DJ and PK Apparel for the first time finally pk we're into the apparel game it was only a matter of time yeah it took a long
2: time to get it to this level but we've got it and and so we're we're introducing it now
0: nicholas benson huge brands dropping off the dj and pk shirts the acdc motif if you will borrowing heavily uh you can check that out plus we got a ton of jazz t-shirts beanies and hats you can stop on by murdoch chevrolet right off the freeway in woods cross DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by WCF. Yes, the workers' compensation fund reminding you to be careful out there. Let's go to the phones. We've got jazz fans lining up. 855-340-ZONE. You're out driving around for Black Friday. We're live at Murdoch Chevy just off the freeway in Woods Cross. You can get an oil change for nineteen ninety nine while we're here at their black tie event is on for November, all dressed up, ready to send you home in a new car. We're here, you can stop by and pick up some uh, pick up some jazz gear or the DJ and PK shirts. And I know Rick the dishwasher wants a DJ and PK shirt. Rick, you gotta get the Woods Cross. Let's go.
3: <laughs> yeah, not happening.
0: <laughs>
3: You're lost. All right, DJ. I got two worries. One for the jazz, one for the Utes. Where do
0: you want me to start? <laughs> Start with the jazz. We were just talking jazz. It's fresh All in people's right. mind. What are you worried yeah, about, I Rick? To list, I wasn't able to listen to
3: Mr. Stats guy, but okay. Good news. Good news for
0: you. You can get it online, 1280 com, Stitcher, Spotify, right. iTunes, Google Play. Go ahead.
3: Okay, that last game, if you watch the game, at six minutes and 30 seconds left, which is going to be a typical road game where it's close or we're a little behind. Now, the Jazz don't make big runs anymore because they don't get stops like they used to. The reason we are not getting stops, and watch that minute and a half, is Mike Conley cannot defend. He also is a turnover machine, so he's like the Carlos Boozer of point guards, where, in other words, if he's shooting 55%, especially at home, he can beat any team because you don't have to play defense at home. The refs will send you to the line like 18 times like they did with – on a cupo. But on the road, you need stops. That guy is killing you, and he especially is going to kill you in the fourth quarter because he is absolutely useless at off-guard. Because Donovan's going to have the, the ball at point. But because he makes $35 million, this organization is going to be loyal to him because he's a great guy, he's a good community guy. They're going to keep playing him at off-guard, and they will never make up ground. Royce O'Neal, you plug him in there, your problems are fixed. Because think about it. Even if Conley's shooting, which I think he is capable, he'll get his shot back perfectly where he's shooting well from three and and decent at going to the hoop. Uh, You're still working backwards. Why is this team worse if we have Bogey, who's just incredible, and Donovan is probably 20% better than he was last year, yet we're worse? It all goes back to Conley, and we don't need a bigger sample size. We see how weak he is on the ball. Go to the rack. It, it, these young guys are much stronger than him now. He loses the ball or throws up a bad shot. And defensively, watch that minute and a half where he's on the floor three times and takes forever to get up after he gets o-laid. So the Jazz have that issue. Now the Utes, I'm worried for the Utes <laughs> because if you listen to everybody, we're winning the eye test. If we blow out these two teams, not even blow them out, win them the way we're supposed to, we're going to get in. Problem is, This is another pitch-and-catch team. It's a bad football team, Colorado, with two players. A quarterback who can throw the long ball, he's not that good. He's not as good as USC's QB. The receiver's better. If we get macho and man up and don't have a safety two steps back over playing in that direction, I'm not saying Colorado's going to win. They're not going to win this game at home. But if we don't win impressively, we don't go.
0: There it is. All right. Thank you. Rick the Dishwasher, <laughs> Throw thrown down. <laughs> Got to win impressively or don't go. Uh, sure. Well, absolutely winning big has helped the Utes in this discussion because they've just been so overwhelming. Uh, blowing out UCLA 49-3, to that's a positive. They will get another chance to make an impression on the committee and how they handle Oregon in a conference title game. So... I don't know that it's the end of the end of the deal if they don't win this if they don't cover a 28 point spread or something.
2: Oh, tomorrow? I don't think there's anything that they can do that's going to look favorably for, upon the committee. Next week is the game. Because if you beat Colorado, then they're just going to chalk it up to man. That's another crappy team.
0: Five and seven, yeah. not bowl eligible. Yeah, you so. were at home on Senior Night. Of course, you blew them out.
2: Right. So I don't know that you can get anything. But that
0: Oregon game's got high stakes to it. It does. Yeah.
2: That's that. that that's the game of this season. Obviously, that's the game and that's the game of uh, recent seasons. Really, uh, it's a shame uh, from the league perspective that Oregon lost last week. Obviously, I was glad that they lost last week because they played the Devils. But I think if you if you go beat Oregon by 21, I, at that point, the only thing that can keep you out is if Georgia beats LSU. If Georgia beats LSU—
0: Really, then- you think that would even overcome Oklahoma winning out? Yes. Oklahoma has won, yes. but looks shaky doing it. And, and their loss did fall in this last month's stretch. Yes. I still think there's a decent chance Oklahoma loses. I know you've been worried about them— Jumping and if they went out, it's hard to argue with you if they went out. Uh, but I just think there's a decent chance Oklahoma gets beat.
2: Okay, well, then you don't even have to worry about right,
0: that, right? So if they if the
2: Utes roll next week, that will really really say something. And you know, when a team is just beating the other team, I mean, it's and Kyle he speaks of it a thousand times. It's two things run the ball, stop the run. And he, he hasn't been very clear about that. <laughs> he's he's never going to win Chris Peterson trick play style. His pride won't allow him to do that. <laughs> just, so when they run that trick plays, count. does he
0: not know? Hey, Kyle's off headsets for well, a minute. <laughs> run a trick play.
2: No, he knows, but you're, you're not winning the game that it's way. It's not the core of what you do. Whereas we all remember the Fiesta Bowl with Boise beating Oklahoma, and we all think of multiple trick plays. Kyle wouldn't have done that. I'm— I'm not saying he'd rather lose the game, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying he is not going to win games via trick, but he'll throw some stuff in there or he'll allow it because he doesn't draw up the offensive plays, obviously right. he'll allow it to happen, yeah, uh, but I'm thinking of that throwback to Huntley last year, yeah, and that's fine yeah that that's great uh and and they're isolated plays here and there, great, right.
0: Dominate the line of scrimmage, baby. And
2: so the score may not be a wide variance, but everybody who's at the game, everyone who's watching the game knows full well Team A is dominating Team B. And if the Utes do that a week from tonight, assuming they win tomorrow, which we're all... I bet your life on it. That, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, P.K. <laughs> that's how confident I am. Sweet. <laughs> hey, work-wise, you're pretty valuable to me. Uh, hey, hey. After your wife. <laughs> I got away you. I said workwise, You spent a lot of time work-wise, with me. there's nobody more valuable, dog. You're it. You're the guy. I work with you in two different platforms. So uh, betting your life means a lot to me. <laughs> Thank you, P.K. <laughs>
3: Very critical. I, mean, I still want to you really be really explained
2: your way out of that. <laughs> well, I think I did. I think it's natural. You understand? Yeah, I get that. I'm, I'm on board with that. So they dominate. Even if the score, the variance of the score isn't big, but we see it and we know it, they are dominating. Because they didn't, outside of that Moss late TD run against uh, ASU, the score wasn't that big. But, but you we can, know that they dominated the game. Can, they dominated can. from start to finish. By the second series, you knew the Devils were in trouble to getting that ball in the end zone. You knew it. The only way they were getting in the end zone is through some fluke play or a pick six or something like that. And you knew it. And it, you played it out three and a half quarters. At least I did. And so that will be the same thing. If they do that a week from tonight... I think the only thing that keeps them out at that point is if Georgia wins. And if Georgia wins out, I believe Georgia has earned the right for that fourth bid. And for the Utes, you wouldn't have, I don't think you would have any complaint. You would just tip your cap to Georgia and say, way to go, guys. You played a better schedule than us, and you got the job done. Good on you. We have a great team. We'll go show it in Pasadena.
0: 855340 zone. 855340 zone. You can react to that. We got to take a break. And then for re- I'd cut Conley then. <laughs> <laughs> you know the thing about I always see so much put on how well a perimeter defender stays in front of his player. And obviously you want that. But unless the other team has a stretch five and is pulling Rudy all the way out, which, you know, Locke brought that problem up when they're playing Minnesota and and Dallas can put out a lineup that does it, you're going to have Rudy behind you. If you're great at staying in front of your guy, they run a pick and roll, they hit you, they make the switch and they make you trail and they beat you that way. So you're going to have to deal with that no matter what. And yes, I would prefer the guy where he'd be able to stay in front of somebody all the time. But I know that that's even, tough,
2: especially the position he's guarding.
0: I I agree, right? <laughs> but even if you can do it, then they just put you into the pick and roll and hit you and get around you that way. So you're going to have to deal with that to a certain degree. I think that we knew coming in they'd sacrifice some defense. I'm not that worried about their defense. These guys have been. Number one defensively most of the season. When they weren't, they were only like two or three. They haven't been out of the top three. Huh? The problem is at the offensive end of the floor.
2: And I think Rick's point is has some validity with now you're taking Conley and you're putting Mitchell mm-hmm. where Conley has been for mm-hmm. 11 seasons. And that's where it's up to the coaching staff to put Conley in the best position for him to succeed given the fact that Mitchell is better than Conley. Right. It's just the nature of where we are and where he is and where Mitchell is. And there's very few players where Mitchell's going to be on the team and somebody's going to be better than him. There are few. So it's up to the coaching staff to find ways to get Conley the most comfortable that allow him the best ability to succeed
0: and help the ball club. Dennis Lindsay was talking once about all their statistical models and how they analyze players. I'm like, how do you do that? And he just looked at me like, are you serious? I mean, I'm talking to you, but I'm not bleeping telling you that. (laughs) But I assume, and I really don't know, I assume that buried in some of these models – with everything that's going on, they know how many points per possession they score when Conley initiates the offense. They know how many points per possession they score when he's a second running a secondary pick and roll. And they know how many points they score when he shoots a catch and, three at the end of, uh, catch and shoot uh-huh. three at the end of the uh-huh. possession. Uh-huh. What they don't have a good sample size yet, and what I think they're probably toying with, is what if you put Conley with the second unit? Does that make any difference? Or, or the, to Locke's point, you put all second-unit guys out there. Moody likes to take guys off the dribble. Well, if he's taking his guy off the dribble, Donovan doesn't need to be out there. So, maybe Donovan plays more with the starters and less with the bench, and you just let the bench guys go. You know? And so, the
2: Eagles comes in for O'Neal instead of
0: Donovan. When they make that first yeah, substitution. I mean, those that. are possibilities. right? So, and and... They're all these combinations, and they just have to figure out which one they go with. I think that they should go with one of them sooner. And I don't know that they'll go with the right one. Maybe there'll be a better one in two or three weeks. I'll try that one. I think there's several things to try. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I think what we've seen, they've got enough of a sample size now. and I don't uh, think
2: Maybe th- enough of the negative sample size. Yeah.
0: Not necessarily enough of the positive sample size. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. dj and pk it 's ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone we are broadcasting live from murdoch Chevrolet just off the freeway in Woods Cross stop by you and get an oil change for one thousand nine hundred and ninety nine while we 're on the air and we will be here until ten o 'clock this morning so you can stop by you can also pick up Shirts, we've got uh, black and gold jazz shirts, we've got the orange ones, we've got beanies, we've got hats, and PK, look at those sweet ACDC DJ and PK garb. If you haven't checked it out, it's up on Twitter. You can stop by and get a shirt as well while supplies last. Thanks to Nicholas Benson and Huge Brands for, uh, for helping us out.
2: Oh, yeah, they're real cool shirts. We're getting a lot of feedback on Twitter. People want one. Well, we'll have them at future remotes, and certainly we'll have them for the next hour plus here at Murdoch up at Woods Cross, Murdoch Chevrolet, just right off the freeway there. We can see the freeway, obviously. It's just, what, uh, south of Woods Cross High School? Yep. And uh, they're pretty cool shirts. I got to admit, they did a really good job on them. They got the ACDC logo where they have DJ and PK and then About to Talk and all that stuff for those about to rock. There are cool shirts. I still got one of the jazz beanies on my head that you can rip off, and this is beanie-wearing season.
0: <laughs> Suit up in style with Mr. Mack and Alemma Harrington. Enter now at 1280 com to win a pair of Cole Haan shoes from Mr. Mack and an outfitting shopping experience with Alema during the remote on December 11th. Alema will personally pick you out an outfit. Compliments of Mr. Mack. All right, we're discussing the uh, the Jazz tonight, the Utes tomorrow. Uh, anything you want to hit? Uh, you got a question up on Facebook, PK. Yeah. Should the Utes celebrate? What should this celebration look like? I'm interested in to see Colorado. what kind of
2: celebration they're going to have. We,
0: I wonder, did you mean more for the fans or more for the players?
2: Everybody, actually. But um, we're speaking to fans. So we're, are fans going to storm the field? Uh, because you will be uh, the way the schedule played out uh, you needed to win eight games and it looks like you're going to do it hats off when Kyle called his shot sitting there in the little makeshift press room that they have up the tunnel in the Coliseum He said, uh, this thing isn't over. We still have plenty of games. We go take care of our business. We'll get in. He called it that night, and he repeated it multiple times, and it looks like he's going to be dead on. But at the same time, it's been sort of just uh, a formality that you get to this point. You just had to go through the schedule, and you've done that. You're on an incredible winning streak here, and so we all expect them to win, and really – It's not it. Obviously, it's not new and it's and it's a nice accomplishment, but it's not even close to the accomplishment. Last year, it was a big deal. All the other years is a big deal. It's not a big deal this year. It's something that is necessary, obviously. And it's if you if you're going 11 and one in the regular season, that's a hell of a regular season. I mean, come on. Everyone's going to agree with that. But under the circumstances, man, Alabama. it's all about next year. Well, no, I'm talking about folks that in the Pac-12. Right. Every team in the Pac-12, there's not a single coach who wouldn't get a contract extension through 11-1. and one. That's a phenomenal regular season. Hats off. Kyle, in my mind, should be – and I know Jonathan Smith at Oregon State has done nice work. But in my mind, uh, it ought to be uh, – if they ought to sweep the awards. Defensive player of the year, uh, give it to two Uh, Coach of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. It's a two-way battle, in my mind, between Moss and Huntley and whatever other awards they have out there. I don't even know what all they have. I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to that stuff. I pay attention to winning and losing.
0: The big award Uh, is that Pac-12 trophy.
2: Yeah, and if you don't get it, it's a disappointment, and and there's nothing wrong with saying that because that means your program is in a great spot. So, yeah, I'm interested to see. The players will go in the locker room, and they'll sing the fight song because they can beat, they beat Idaho State and sang the fight song. So they're going to do that every time, and we already know that. If that's what they do. Fine, I've got no problem with that. What are, the, what's the, what are they going to do? How big of a celebration is, they're going, is it going to be? Because then it's on. Next week is the game. And then you also have the fans. Are they going to jump out on the field and – and and do that. I mean we should be used their fans storming the field twice this year. You can't let them get ahead of you two to nothing in uh field storming, right?
0: Well they have, it's too late.
2: Yeah, but you can you can still save some face and go two one. And then you have the opportunity. I don't know what the situation is last year because when the uh, up at the Pac-12 title game, because when they lost, I had to hustle down and get inside the uh, stadium because the losers always do the post game while the winners are out there. So I couldn't tell you if there were fans out on the field because I was underneath the stadium somewhere listening to the players and coach do their post game interviews. So I don't know how that how security works if they let you out on the field. So you actually could tie. And then oh my gosh, man! If you, you get the Rose Bowl, I'll help you climb over the fence if you win the Rose Bowl yeah. and that would be awesome yeah to win that ball game and to and to close out the season on uh what uh, uh what would that be like a 10 11 game winning streak at this point yeah that would be just incredible that would that would in my mind that would top the other two seasons of undefeated because you would have played one more game in the fact that you have the conference title game and to win the Pac-12 in your ninth year is just incredible it it would be so good and, there, and nobody could just say, well, yeah, this, that, and the other thing. There'd be zero excuses. I don't want, at that point, I don't want to hear that, oh, it was a soft conference. I, so what? You won it, and you won it with a sterling record at that point. So you, are, you would be the champions, and that's all that matters. But what are they going to do tomorrow night? Or is it going to be one of these deals because it's a late? It's an eight o'clock start. No, no, excuse
0: me, that doesn't count. It's 5 a five 30, thirty start. It'll be nine o'clock. So that's not too bad. Will fans? Yeah. Have left? yeah, but it'll be cold. It's supposed to be. Right. I think the snow stops, but I think the temperature is going to be in the teens when the. Yeah, kids.
2: and we've seen the last few weeks that get to the fourth quarter
0: on the road and at home, people start heading home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's over. Right, the, the game's over at halftime. But I want if felt you'd hard stay core by sticking around for the third quarter.
2: If you'd stay, senior night, give him one last O in your field. Uh, there's some sentimentality there. These dudes, these dudes from Florida. I, I know no high schools in Florida, but I know of Hannondale.
0: <laughs> Allendale, yeah, <laughs>
2: because I've heard about it for so much here, and that's great, and it's a nice story, and we all love nice stories, and. Uh, particularly you know, three African-Americans coming out into uh, an area that's viewed as predominantly Caucasian and not just uh, succeeding but thriving off the charts and getting degrees. It's like the best of – I don't think there's been a love affair with a player, or in this case it's three players, since Andre Miller. I think the love affair with these three, particularly Moss and Huntley, we
0: haven't seen it since Andre Miller. Ah. More than Alex Smith and Brian Johnson. Yes. The love affair. Andre was beloved. I mean, there's no way around that. Yeah. And a football quarterback's a little different. Um, but, yeah. All right, DJ PK. So... It's just a step in the process. you got your eyes set on the Pac-12 title. Or, hey, there just aren't that many football games. You've got to win the South to win the title. And so you do want to storm the field and uh, hug every player you can get to.
2: I wouldn't necessarily storm it, but I'd come out. I've got no stroll, problem.
0: Stroll out onto the field? Now. I don't know that I'd sprint. Because <laughs> I doubt it's
2: going to be an emotional last-second win right. a la SC and BYU where you have to sprint out there. But I've got no problem coming out there. It was like when they won the festival or when they won the game at BYU. I don't think that was a big storming
0: of the field, but they all came out and celebrated. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.